Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. This is the Finding Backcountry Podcast, and um, every so often I amaze myself with uh, the guests that are willing to come on and <laughs> talk to me. Um, it's it's really quite quite humbling um, just because I have a podcast uh, that the guys who have actually accomplished things in their life are willing to to jump on and uh, chat hunting with me. Um, one of those was Jim Shockey, I would say, uh, that just comes to mind. I had him on and, you know, he, he was maybe, he's maybe the most uh, well-known hunter that I've had on in the short, you know, 50 episodes or whatever this is going to be. But the guest that I have today, <clears throat> I would argue is definitely the most popular, um, just in, in the United States for sure. Um, I've got uh, two two-time gold medalist and four-time X Games gold medalist, and I don't know what what other accolades you want me <laughs> you want me to rattle <laughs> off. But most importantly, I've got a bow hunter on, and his name's David Weiss. Hey, Weiss, how you doing, man? Yeah, really good, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Are you, yeah, uh, the, do you the like the most important thing is at the end of the day, we're all, we all just like to go out and hunt and chase yeah. things around the mountains and be outside. Yeah, seriously. But, and we're going to get plenty into the hunting, but, uh, man, with, with someone like you, it's just, uh, an opportunity that I can't, uh, you know, to be honest, I, like when you, I, I reached out to you and I've, I kind of, I, I think I kind of found you, well, obviously I found you through the, the, uh, Olympics, but the hunting side that I even knew that you were a hunter was kind of through first light and, uh, seems like you were a little bit of their stuff or hooked up with them or something. But <clears throat> anyway, so I, I reached out to you just on a whim, like I do and a uh, wing and a prayer. And you were like, Oh yeah, sure. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, let's talk yeah. hunting. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I, I was a little bit yeah, starstruck. I was a little bit starstruck at that point, And then to make things worse, I get on your website and I was just kind of filtering through, just to kind of see what your website was like, your, your skiing website. And, uh, I'm flipping through, you know, your page and you've got some photos cycling through and like all of a sudden there's you with Ellen DeGeneres. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I'm in way over my head here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully <laughs> Ellen. That's how I feel sometimes too. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Hopefully Ellen didn't talk about any of the hunting stuff, so this is going to be an an authentic. Uh, <laughs> nope, that was uh, I was warned strongly against that. Don't uh, mention anything about. Uh, yep. <laughs> I noticed. So speaking of that, I'm looking through your website. And I'm like, I wonder if he mentions hunting, like on his uh, skiing platform much. And you did, um, and I was I was pretty proud of that. You know, you, you could tell that. And, and I might have you talk about that for a minute, um, just the the sensitivity um, maybe to the outside world that you have to um, that you have to exercise as far as like you know being upfront about being a hunter and like you mentioned going on Ellen and not talking about it or whatever. What what what's kind of your take on that? Yeah, 
in all honesty, man, there, it, there's a lot of parallels for that because we all have certain aspects of our lives um, that society doesn't think is mainstream enough to talk about. You know, it's like whether you're into um, curling on the weekends or you're like, if you're not into something that's popular, you're really not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> and, um, and the reality for me is that I, I just realized I didn't want to be ashamed of anything that I do. So if it's something that I'm passionate about, um, even if it costs me maybe a few dollars in the long run, um, I, I want to be unashamed about talking about it because that's who I am. I, I want to be, if I'm going to be a celebrity, if I'm, if I'm going to be uh, a well-known figure, uh, I don't want to be a well-known figure for a facade. I don't want to be a well-known figure for some fake guy that some some marketing manager created here or there. I want to be famous for me. And if I'm not famous, I'm totally fine with that. But if I am going to be this public figure, then I want the public figure that I'm that I am to be really me. And so um, I've kind of unashamedly talked about my hunting in the same way I've unashamedly talked about my faith and talked about my family. You know, a lot of people, especially young, uh, young parents in the Hollywood world, they don't really talk about their kids and they don't really talk about their wives being a good supporter and a good teammate. They just kind of talk about themselves and what they got going on. And, uh, I've just been, I've just always been, that's just, like I said, unashamedly me is, I, you know, I'm super grateful for my wife and uh, I had kids young and they're a huge part of my journey. And bow hunting is is my I, I always hashtag my wilderness therapy. Like it's <laughs> what keeps me sane throughout the year of grinding and traveling and media and all those things. And um, so, yeah, I, I want to be unashamed about talking about it. And, and for me, the, the main goal with all this stuff is present hunting to the masses in a way uh in the right way because i think there's there's a lot of voices out there and a lot of them are good and a lot of them are bad um but my discovery of hunting and and just an outdoor lifestyle is that it's the healthiest way to live and that's what i want to share with people uh using my platform as a skier is like hey look there's there's a lot of there's a lot of alternate ways to live your life that are very healthy and, and fulfilling and um, I could I could spend the rest of my life, especially, you know, coming off of a couple of very successful seasons and two cycles of the Olympics. Um, I could be I could be a professional skier or a, or a professional representative of skiing for the rest of my life without even mentioning the hunting thing. And if I if I talk if I talk a little bit too much about hunting, um, it certainly will cost me some dollars here and there because people are sensitive about it. Uh, but that I'm not going to let that scare me off of it because I really do feel like it's something that's worth sharing with the world. You know, and it's, <clears throat> well, for, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it, it's always refreshing in any, in any aspect of life, um, or, or any level that someone's at just to see that they're not willing to compromise, you know, their authenticity, you know, and, and this, this podcast, ho hopefully, you know, it, as you were talking about that, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about this podcast. And, and, and you mentioned your faith, um, you know, for the first few episodes and, and I'd have, I'd have to go back and look, but, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really mention too much about, 
um, you know, being a Christian or God or anything like that. And then, and then a few episodes in, I just realized like, you know what, like if, if I'm interviewing someone and I know that they're a Christian or I know that you believe in God or whatever, like I believe in God and I'm a Christian. And so I'm just going to talk about that, you know, and I, I don't make the whole show about it. Um, kind of, kind of like you with your skiing and, you know, you don't make your, your whole deal about bow hunting, but it's there, you know, and you're not, uh, you're not backing down from that. So it, it, it's just refreshing and, and you're, you know, the people that follow you appreciate that. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I like that word authenticity. I think that, I think that's the main goal for me is, um, whether I'm talking about skiing with my Christian friends or talking about my faith with my skiing friends or talking about bow hunting with my corporate friends. Like I want to be authentic in all of those spaces as best I can. And, um, and, and it's kind of, a, it's kind of a treat. I feel like I get, I have this cool opportunity to be the bridge between a lot of different, a lot of different peoples. Yeah. Um, I have all of these different people groups that, that are important to me. You know, my family's super important to me. Uh, the guys that I fling arrows with are super important to me. The guys that I ski with day in, day out on the grind, those guys are important to me. And there's aspects that I've learned uh, from all these different things that I'm into that have made me a better skier or maybe a better husband and father or maybe a better bow hunter. And I can combine all those things and, and share this knowledge that I've gained. Um, and, and when it comes to bow hunting, uh, and hopefully, uh, I'll keep this humility, but when it comes to life, I'm, you've always, I feel like I've always got something to learn, man. <laughs> and I'm just in this perpetual state of being like, holy crap, how did I mess that up? You know, and, <laughs> and humbling myself and saying, well, that messed that one up. I guess I'll try to learn from that mistake and move forward. Um, but that's, that's why I do it. It's just all these, all these learning lessons and, and being able to, like I said, share the lessons, share the lessons that I've learned along the way and, and, and hopefully contribute to somebody else's story. Yeah. Uh, that, that reminds me of screwing things up. I had one of my good friends, uh, his name's Henry Ferguson. He was on one of my past episodes and he, uh, he, he jokingly just kind of said, yeah, every, every year I, uh, see if I can find a new way to screw up a stock on a mule deer or something like that. And man, oh my it's goodness. Yeah, so true. Me, I, I know how true that is. Oh man. So here's, here's my question for you. Um, well, there, there's still some stuff about skiing that I, that I'm curious about. And then I, I want to transition into the hunting, but I I'm curious, um, when you're at that level, because, um, you know, h- hunting fitness in, in the hunting world is becoming a big deal. Like, you know, it's almost becoming, it's almost like bigger than the actual hunt for some guys. Like, you know, they, they spend way more time in the gym or they spend way more time at these, um, you know, train to hunt type of events or whatever. And so it's, it's becoming a huge deal. I'm curious from an athlete that's performing at your level and working out and, uh, you know, the, the physical preparation, what it's, what it's like in comparison from a, like a skiing, uh, fitness routine to, if you were, if you were preparing to go on a hunt, if, if you would use the same routine or, or what that looks like and what are the similarities there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've that's, and that's something I've been exploring this year too, is, um, as I'm starting to take the hunting thing more seriously, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hunt quite a bit more out of state this year and, and see how many different tags I can hunt with, <laughs> with my crazy schedule. Um, I'm just getting really into it. I'll just be honest. I'm, I'm an addict 
and um, from a food standpoint, I've 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 had I'm coming off of like a, a three years like hot streak in the on the bow hunting side of things. So I've really gotten addicted to having this like, you know, I would call it the perfect protein, this perfect game protein available to available to me at all times. And so now I'm like, ooh, freezer starting to get kind of starting to get kind of empty i better go find some more places i can hunt you know um so i've definitely been exploring that a little bit more just because i've been doing so much hunting or preparing for so much different hunting um i would say uh um, for me personally uh fitness has always been fitness and specifically training for skiing has always been a bit more of my journey uh than than the guys that i'm competing with um the reality is I'm, I could be in half pipe and um, we free skiers are kind of the rebels, you know, we're not competing in slalom and giant slalom and um, you know, or cross country or even freestyle, you know, moguls or aerials. We're, we're competing in the, in the sports or the events that are in the X games, in the do tour. And we do it because we want to be different. And part of that is, Part of that lifestyle is being the cool kid who doesn't go to the gym and work out super hard. You know, it's like, no, I, I just ski. A lot of my friends would tell you that they train for skiing by skiing a lot. And it works for them. Fortunately for them, they're, they're, they're not a six foot one, 190 pound frame, uh, whereas I am. So I, I feel like I have to train harder than they do just because I'm, I'm naturally bigger. Um, Skiers typically my, smaller than that then. Yeah, I would say the average of the guys that I compete with is probably five, five, nine, hundred and forty pounds, hundred and fifty pounds. Hmm. And you know, here I am, six one, one ninety five. And um, and me- meanwhile, on the hunting side, I'm over here going, yeah, but your draw length is longer, and so you're going to shoot an arrow faster than they would, and so you have a huge advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, right. 6'1. Yeah, it's about a twenty nine inch. Yeah. Like, All right. Oh man, think of the think of the feet per second we could get behind a heavy arrow yeah, with him. You're on an eighty pound bow, man. <laughs> you're, you're, you're down the range. Velocity is strong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I definitely spend more time in the gym because of that, and um, my my goal is always to be as strong and as light as I can be, which is a tough combination because. Um, especially for me, genetically, I have a really just meaty build. I put on muscle like it's nothing. Like it's it's really easy for me to to eat a, eat a high protein diet and just build muscle. I could be two twenty five pretty easily and not have a lot of fat on me. I'm not, I'm not like a a chunky build, but I'm just a muscular build. So whenever I start really hitting the gym, you know, this time of year, September, October. Uh, November is when I start really hitting the gym hard and trying to trying to um, sort of peak as far as physical strength goes, strength and, and, and explosive power. Um, as soon as I start doing that, I always notice like right out of the gate, I start putting on muscle like crazy. And um, so my goal is being as strong as I want to be, being able to jump as high as I possibly can, being as balanced and as agile as I possibly can be. Uh, while also being light, so um, I I'm very very yeah. similar to to like backcountry hunting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I'm always trying to. I'll tra- I'll train generally six days a week, 
And um, three of those days will always include something uh, cardio based. And I don't do like I don't do super long missions cardio wise because um, if you spend too much time, like if you're running, if you're running more than three and a half to four miles at a time, or you're riding your bike for more than two hours, uh, then your body will automatically start to convert to long twitch muscle, which I don't really want a lot of long twitch muscle. I do want some, um, but mostly I want that explosive, you know, nervous system power that's like all on in a second and all off in a second. Yeah. And so um, I'll, I'll do three days a week in the gym, getting strong, and then on the opposite days, I'll spend, a, I'll spend an hour and a half to two hours doing something cardio-based. Uh, and that really, honestly, just, that's how I would train for skiing anyways. But that plays really well into the bow hunting thing <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm, I can go the fastest, the longest, but um, when it comes to hunting. But at the same time, I haven't had anybody hike me into the ground just yet. You know, I've definitely been surprised by some guys and been like, wow, okay, you literally train for this. And that's like another level from what I do, because I feel like I'm just fit and it happens to play into bow hunting well. But uh, some guys who are really, really into it, like you said, where the fitness is almost the they almost treat the fitness like a job. And then bow hunting is just the vacation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it plays, it plays in well. And. and uh, I'm going to be intrigued. I've got a couple more hunts on the, on the books, uh, to see where I kind of end up. Usually when I hunt a lot, I end up actually losing a little bit of weight because, you know, I go in with all this muscle mass. And then when you're hunting, you're constantly moving, you know, you're usually not eating a lot. It's hard, it's hard to hunt well and spend a bunch of time eating all the food that you need. And when you're at a metabolic rate that I, like I am, um, I mean, I'm eating five to eight thousand calories a day when I'm training, and there's just no way you can do that out in the field. So I'll usually lose quite a bit of weight, and then I gotta kind of put it back on before the ski season. Yeah, those uh, you know, those hikes, like even when you're, even when you might be, you know, humping a hundred pounds of meat up a hill or something, um, it just, it just in in ratio to the amount of cardio that you're doing in the backcountry with with typically less weight it just let like you're saying it just catches up to you and you there's no way you can keep that there's no way no way you're building that keeping that muscle mass on fast enough uh you know even in your quads and legs i'm sure than compared to what you're taking off yeah for someone like me who's a little chunky uh it's always nice when i go on a hunt and i come back and i'm down 10 pounds i'm like okay i'm just gonna keep it off this time (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, you and me both actually. I, I lost uh, I lost about eight pounds on my Nevada hunt, and I was like, "Yeah, one eighty five. That's target weight. That means I just got to get really strong and keep this weight." <laughs> yeah. Um. When did you? Uh. So when did you get into hunting? You know, you're a little side note. Um. You're a, you're a Nevada guy, uh, like me. I don't know if you knew that we were. I was just down here in Southern Nevada, but. That was uh, that was one thing that made me feel a little bit more at home with this uh, with this interview as I looked up and you're from Reno, so I was like, oh, you know, yeah, he's gold medalist that's been on with Ellen, but he's just he's just a Reno boy, like you know, yeah, just, right. <laughs> just up the yeah. road there. <laughs> but when yeah. were, were you into hunting up there your whole life, or is it something you got into later? Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a cool story. My um, my dad was into hunting a little bit. He kind of dabbled when he was growing up and through college and stuff. 
Um, you know, he killed a couple bucks with a rifle and then he bow hunted for quite a few years with a recurve and just never, I think he's, I think he flung one arrow in like four years uh, of bow hunting. And then when, uh, us kids were born, I, I have sisters who are twins that are four years older than me. Uh, so when they were born, he kind of faded out of the hunting thing and it wasn't as big of a part of his life. He was, my dad has always been into fishing. His thing is fishing and, and always has been. He's a stream fisherman. He loves to he loves to do big hikes and get back in into streams where nobody else is and, and catch little ten inch brookies. Uh, that's what I grew up doing with my dad. Um, fly fly but, fisherman. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. We're we're opportunists. Actually, we'll take you know we're not snobs. We're not opposed to fishing with worms too. <laughs> throw but, throw but, a worm but, into a hole. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, but if, if we can catch, if we can catch fish in any way, we'll, we'll do it. But, um, when my sisters were getting to be old enough to hunt, my dad realized, Hey, this is something, this would be something cool that we could do as a family. So, um, I'm sure you can imagine the guy out there with two 12 year old twin girls hunting kind of sticks out, you know, and, and he, he took them out. They got their hunter safety. They got it. They drew their first tag and. It was in kind of a tough area. They were hunting, and um, he didn't really know what he was doing. They didn't know what they were doing at all. And so they're just kind of a couple of folks out there in the in the in the sage and forests, and just not really knowing what they're doing. Um, and a couple of of really experienced hunters noticed them and kind of took them under their wing, their wing, and and gave them some experience and helped my sister get her first buck. <laughs> Um, actually they helped them both get their first deer and I was, I just happened to like tag along. I was eight years old at that point and I happened to tag along on the day that my sister, uh, shot her first buck and I got to be there and experience that. And so I got to experience it not only from the hunting side at a really young age, but also from the food side because we shot the buck that day and then we field dressed it and did all the the prep meat preparation and then we were eating it that night and i was like wow this connection to food is really really cool i mean i look at that and say that now uh, at that time i was just like wow hunting's super cool yeah <laughs> you know hey, i want to shoot one. me it was like it was like give me that rifle like <laughs> where's the next buck come on <laughs> and i don't know what it is uh, i talk to my hunting friends about this a lot i don't know what it is about um that innate desire to hunt but i had it and i have a three-year-old son and he has it too like he did like some of us are just born hunters and that was me for sure so you know i i i continued to tag along on my sister's hunts uh while i wasn't old enough to have a hunting license and tag of my own but as soon as i could get my license i got I, I, I went and did hunter safety and, and, you know, drew my first deer tag at age 12. I think I was 11 going on 12 because you have to, you just have to turn 12 yep. the year of yep. in order to be able to get a tag. So, I mean, I was motivated. I really wanted to do it. And, and, um, we just learned as we went, uh, learned to glass more and spend a little time, less time just trudging around busting deer out, uh, <laughs> But for the most part, I was still just a bad hunter. I didn't think about the wind. I didn't think about it. But I was a bad hunter with a lot of luck because I would always get a deer. And um, it was enough to keep the, it was enough to keep this, like, I would call it like a, like a background addiction live. Because um, 
when I was in the, on the rifle side of things, you know, it was kind of a yearly hobby. And in Nevada, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of tags available. You know, if, if you're willing to, to drive far and um, hunt in some areas where the access is a little bit tough, you can pretty much draw a tag every year. But that, that even that's not a, a guarantee. You know, sometimes it's like every other year you get to hunt with a rifle. Um, See, but so I would just I'll, I'll I'll always be biased to Nevada um, for hunting as far as especially for youth because of what you just said. Like when when you did draw a tag, though, you kind of knew that like because there wasn't a lot of other tags given out, it was you were probably gonna like you experienced. I mean, and I experienced the same thing. Like you were probably gonna have a chance at a buck you know yeah and there's exactly. there's i i think there's a lot of units like i think we're spoiled a little bit here i th- i think that there's a lot of other hunts in other parts of the state uh or other states where you know that that's maybe not the case you know and you're you're doing everything you can to find a you know a legal buck or whatever but right. it, it just wasn't my experience in nevada as long as like you're saying as long as you could um, draw the tag. And, and I think with youth, they were, they were still, uh, I think they're still doing kind of a, you know, they allocate more tags to the youth or whatever. So I, yeah. I think it's a perfect, uh, you know, scenario for a, a youth hunter to grow up in and learn like, just like yourself. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Cause you don't really realize the things that you take for granted as you grow up, but um, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm griping about the lack of tags in Nevada. Cause, cause like you said, it, it really played into, yeah. it was a huge advantage for me. Um, because I was able to get a deer every single year, just about, <laughs> um, the only, the only years that I didn't get one were the years that I didn't have the time to spend doing yeah. it, you know, where I went out for two days or three days or whatever. But if I went out for a week, I almost always came home with some, some meat to put in the freezer. Were you? And, were, were you hard into skiing at that point? Was it like, uh, how it was with me with football? Like, well, yeah, I'm a football player. And then I just hunt on like a Saturday after a game kind of a thing. Or when, when did the skiing really kick in for you compared to the hunting? Yeah, I started, I mean, I, so I started hunting at 12. I started traveling for skiing at 13. Oh boy. So, um, it, it was never, there was never a time in my life where hunting and skiing didn't conflict in some ways. Um, and that's, that's kind of where the story's headed is because, uh, as I, um, spent more, you know, got more into hunting and actually in 2014, after the, after the Olympics in Sochi, um, my buddy Remy Warren, uh, <laughs> who's also from that, also from that country up there, right? Yeah. He's, he's from right, right here in, in the 775. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, you kind of heard about like, I mean, essentially here I am, I'm an introvert, right. Who appreciates and likes spending time in the mountains by myself more, more than anything else. And all of a sudden I've been launched into from, from being a professional skier, jumping from being a professional skier and the, the amount of attention that you get there to being basically like an Olympic celebrity. Cause for those, for those couple months surrounding the Olympics, uh, you get treated oh. like a celebrity. People you're bi- you're bigger than, events. yeah, you're more popular and than LeBron James there, you know. For a second, yep. for just a quick little minute, you're like a full-blown celebrity. And that was so overwhelming for me. I, I was like, Who, why does everybody want to take a photo with me? Like, <laughs> I'm just me. Like, what changed? Nothing changed about me. And 
So Remy kind of saw that and he was like, Dave, I really think you need to start shooting a bow. Like you need to start shooting a compound bow because, um, it's a weird form of meditation. Like you get out there in the forest by yourself and you got to slow your heart rate down, but you also still have to remain focused and intent on the target. And, you know, he, and so he basically gave me a boat. He's like, just try this. And I tried it. And, and I had always kind of known that I would get into bow hunting eventually, but I was, but it was always a time thing for me. So I would always say, Oh, you know, when I have more time, I'll get into bow hunting. Um, because the archery side of things, the preparation takes a lot longer. You got to put a lot more effort into it. And, but as soon as he gave me that bow, it was game over, man. I loved <laughs> shooting so much that I was like, oh, well, it was kind of like a coming home experience. So I was like, oh, this is who I am. And I just didn't realize it yet, you know? And so I, that was in 2014. And here we are four years later. And, you know, like I said, I'm applying for tags in five different states and i'm hunting <laughs> i'm hunting four different states this year like it's it's a serious addiction i, I don't have the ability to dabble in things like, yeah if i'm gonna do it if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go full bore uh so yeah it's been it's been a fun journey and, and like i said um i think partly because i'm as relentless i'm i'm just about as relentless as people come uh and also lucky and also have the just the mental um, basically all the mental preparation, me- mental toughness, mental strength that I've learned through competing at a high level for a long time. I've just had an overwhelming amount of success as a bow hunter too. <laughs> we got a little one jumping on the phone there. Hey. Is somebody there? Hello? <laughs> so, sounds like we've got an interruption in your phone line. Like a like a little family member jumped on the other line. Are you there? Hello? <laughs> We're going to keep it rolling cuz that's what that's what we do in the Finding Backcountry podcast. Hopefully David reconnects with us. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're good. You there, man? Here. Uh, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> sounded, almost sounded like a little one and jumped on the line or something. Yeah, well, what had happened was uh, <laughs> my, wife, my wife started the car and Bluetooth picked up on my phone. Ah, classic. So you were hearing the inside of the car with the kiddos going to school. Hey, that's what that's what we do at the finding. Everyone's like, "Oh, edit that out." Oh my, you know, my thing died. I'm like, "No, we we even got put on hold once. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone was I was interviewing someone, and uh, another call came in, and they accidentally transferred it over. And so we we were hearing the hold music, and we just let it roll in the Finding Backcountry podcast, man. So that's right, man. Taking kids to school in the morning—that's just uh, part of yeah, life, right? That's right. <laughs> um. I, I can't even remember. Now I'm sidetracked. I can't even remember where we were at when uh, when when uh, you were talking last. But I think I just I just finished my long winded story about how I how we're sitting here and I'm talking about bow hunting. So yeah. <laughs> well, what, one thing that you mentioned in there, <clears throat> and I'm I'm curious to touch on this. Uh, you use the word mental strength. Um, you know that you kind of have from from the skiing world that you apply to hunting or vice versa. 
Um, what would you say requires more mental strength and, and why? I mean, being completely honest, like I'm, I'm fully expecting you to say that it takes more mental strength to, uh, you know, to run down a half pipe in a gold medal round. But I, I'm just curious how close, you know, stocking in on a, on a mule deer buck and keeping your composure is to that. Uh, yeah, that's a, there's a lot of parallels actually. Um, and it's hard to answer. It's hard to answer actually, which one requires more mental strength because I've, I actually put them in really similar categories. If you think about it on the bow hunting side of things, you prepare all year long, you know, basically from the moment your last hunt of the season wraps up as us bow hunters, we're, we're already thinking about next year's hunts. It's not like, it's not like, Oh good. Hunting season's over. I'm just going to like not think about hunting for a while. As soon as that last hunt ends, you're like, man, all right, it's time to get ready for next year. I was already researching hunts. I was going to apply for next year and it's, we're not even through half of them this year. Yep. Exactly. So, um, there's, there's all this preparation that goes into it. Right. We, we talk about the, the shooting side of things. Um, after I finished my first Nevada open country mule deer hunt, uh, I went out there with an effective range of 40 yards because I had just learned how to shoot a bow. And, um, I was like, okay, I can shoot out to 40 yards. And that was a struggle in the open country, hunting in the sage, being able to being only able to kill something if it was within 40 yards was unacceptable to me. So as soon as I came home from that hunt, I spent the next year saying, okay, I'm going to push my effective range out to 60 yards. Uh, and then the, the following year I was like, well, I'd like to be able to shoot. I'd like to be able to hit a cantaloupe nine times out of 10 at a hundred yards, because that way, you know, I'm just refining my skills, refining my skills, refining my skills. And so there's all that preparation on the shooting side of things. And then you think about the, the, uh, the training preparation, being physically strong, able to get as far back as you want to, and also be able to carry the animal out if you get one. Um, the scouting, the trail cameras, all of this stuff goes into a hunt. And yet it all comes down to one moment when you're in range, you're inside your effective range, and you have to draw back and execute the shot perfectly. And that's really similar to how, how it goes in skiing for me. It's, it's especially when you think about the Olympics is a four year process. It's four years of preparation, uh, four years of planning and strategy. I'm always holding something back, uh, in the three years leading up to the Olympics because I want to have something special and new for the Olympics. And, uh, I'm trying to peak physically and be as strong as I possibly can be and have the most unique run I can I can create and all of these things. And then it comes down to one moment at the Olympics. Can you land this run? And so you have to, yeah, that mental toughness is the most essential item in your toolkit. And that's one thing probably um, that I was able to just transition over from, from my life as an athlete into the bow hunt thing, because when I got in effective range, um, I didn't have, a lot of times where I was just like, Oh, I, I was in effective range, but I didn't make the shot. If I got in my effective range, I made the shot because I was used to that on the skiing side of things. So, um, <laughs> needless to say, since then I've made, <laughs> I've missed a lot of shots too. 
but um, early on, I just I, I just didn't think much about it. I didn't think about the fact that I was that I was in effective range. I just I just did it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, I would say obviously for every four years having having come down to every four years makes the skiing thing a little bit more intense. Um, that and the this year the, was the the little detail that the whole entire world's watching. You know, there, there's watching. that. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but there's a lot of parallels, and, and that's part of why I like it so much. I've learned a lot from bow hunting that I've been able to transfer to skiing, and I've and I've been able to take what I've learned as a skier and transfer it to bow hunting as well. <laughs> that's fascinating to me, actually. Ne- never would have thought of that until uh, you know you think about it, but just the parallels of that last run, you know, and I, I was even, I refreshed, uh, my memory, um, you know, just re rewatched that, that last run that you had, um, to, for, for the gold medal run and just how intense that was. And like, I'm sitting there rewatching something that I've already seen and, um, refilling all those emotions and I'm like sweating for you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, at this point I can stock in on, you know, 160, 170 inch mule deer and get within, you know, 35 yards and be just standing there as calm as can be, you know? Um, but man, just, just watching that intensity of that last run and like, um, man, you made the Americans proud because like, you know, you had that problem with your ski bindings and you're just like, I, I love, this is a side note, but I love that they're just like, yeah, I, he took a screwdriver to it and uh, and, and fixed it. And we're like, yes, he, he did. Like, I'll, I'll bet he put some duct tape on that thing too. Like, <laughs> we're all just yeah. like, heck yeah, <laughs> gets America. But uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating uh, how many different par- parallels there are out there uh, that you know that we come across and that, that we can apply to hunting or whatever. Here's here's my. Here's my million dollar question or here here's my what what's more what's more exciting if you were to w- would you rather kill a 200 inch what's more exciting be be completely honest with me I fully expect you to shatter my dreams here but what's <laughs> what's more exciting let's say stocking in and and you get the chance to kill a and you kill a 200 inch mule deer with a bow at like 8 yards like south cock style or winning a gold medal, what's more exciting? Ooh, that's that is a million dollar question. <laughs> the there's, fact that you're even thinking about it, it gives yeah, me hope. There's there is nothing that there's no parallel in life for me uh, that gets me as excited as being being in range on a big old critter. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking that as your answer. Nope. <laughs> you yeah, no, like you, you're literally like, I mean, <laughs> you're talking to a guy I've spent my entire life. My fascination with a kid was conquering fear. You know, I realized at a young age that I could take things that were scary to me and overcome them. You know, maybe it was jumping out of the tree onto the train onto the trampoline or jumping off of a cliff into the, into the water or whatever. I realized after I had done it once, it was no longer scary to me or it was less scary to me. And so I spent my entire life just trying to find things that scared me and make them less scary. Uh, so I've been seeking this adrenaline fix my whole life, but there is no adrenaline fix like bow hunting for me, you know, and, 
and I think par- partly I can say that because I have had a lot of success in skiing. So, and I've realized at the end of the day, those medals and accolades, um, I'm not going to call them meaningless because I don't want to take I don't want to take uh, credit away from my competitors and what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, nobody 25 to 100 years from now is really going to care that much about each of those contests. You know, they're just a drop in the bucket. There's another one next year. There's another one the year after that. Um, so you kind of realize at some point those things, even though they seem like the most important thing ever in the moment, they're, they're just another day of me doing my job. But um, I've also, you know, ha- had the, the great opportunity to win a lot of the different contest circuits and a lot of different medals and a lot of different things. And I, I probably feel the same way about competing in half-pipe that you do about stalking into on a, on a big old muley where it's like, I, I, it's just cool, calm, collect. It's just me executing my job. I, I don't, it doesn't get the heart rate going the, quite the same way that, that uh, bow hunting does. You know, I, I was able to, last year I was able to stalk in and shoot a really mature, you know, uh, muley buck in Utah. And man, it was an amazing experience. <laughs> so I don't had, I, I didn't really answer your question. No, you did. I don't know if I can say. But. In fact, in fact, I find it odd that as you started uh, talking about um, that, I was I was kind of siding with the gold medal side and was like, no, man, like those are going to be huge in 25, 50, 100 years or whatever. Those will always be a big deal. You know, even though it's even though it's something that we just like, like we were saying earlier, it's like you know, for how many weeks we're looking at the Olympics, you know, that's all that really matters in the world, so to speak. And then we're kind of like, okay, like we can just forget about that until the next Olympics. But, um, no, it's funny. I, as you were saying that, I'm like, no, that's, you know, killing a mule there is just killing a mule there. But that (laughs) representing your country and going and just competing at that level, um, that's, it, it's something special, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm super thankful for, for the opportunity to go out there and do it. You know, like yeah. it's still, I still have this sense of awe and wonder about that this whole thing has worked out. You know, because I've always set lofty goals from the time I was a kid. I've always said, "All right, I'm going to be a professional skier." Or <laughs> honestly, when I was when I was really young, I want to be a professional baseball player. And so I always had these crazy lofty goals, and going to the Olympics was one of them. And it still blows my mind that it actually worked out and for it to have worked out to the level that it has where I've won two Olympic gold medals. Uh, I still have this state of disbelief about it. So I, I don't want people to think that I'm, that I'm uh, cavalier about, you yeah. know, my, my job or my, my ability to represent our country and, and, and do us all proud because it's still like, it's almost an otherworldly experience where I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like I have an alter ego. I still can't believe that it's me doing all these things. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. What, uh, what position in baseball? Uh, I was really pretty fast as a young kid. And then I was a late bloomer. So I already grew and got strong before I did. So, uh, in high school, I played second base, uh, up until that point, I was usually a center fielder or a left fielder. Um, now, I still play baseball and softball here and there. And usually I end up in the outfield because I've got my wheels back uh, once I grew up big and strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my, uh, before hunting, that was kind of my love. If I was going to, 
uh, you know, kind of like your skiing. Mine, mine was baseball. So, um, yeah, baseball is a great sport. Man, I, I still have a, I still, I mean, I still love baseball. You can hear it in my voice. Like I, I, I love, I like the ability to combine all these different loves into one life. Um, I always, I joke with everybody, all my close friends, because um, I pretty much pretend like I'm training at all times. You know, if we're if we're playing darts or we're shooting pool or we're just hanging out, having a barbecue at a friend's house or whatever, I always tell everybody that I'm training. And because it's kind of true, like you, when you're, especially when you're an individual sport athlete like I am, everything that you do could either take away or add to your ability to compete well. And, you know, participating in team sports has, has taught me things that uh, participating only in individual sports never would in the same way that bow hunting has taught me things that uh, somebody who's never chased an animal and tried to stalk in range of it would, could, could even fathom. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually super interesting that you bring that up. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking about pitching while you're doing that and, you know, you're, you're talking about all these things that, um, you know, as in individual sport athletes and, and baseball is definitely a team sport, but at the same time, um, I was a, I was a pitcher. That was kind of my forte and it's the most, it's the pitch, the starting pitcher, especially, you know, it's the most individual position on a baseball team, you know, where n- nobody has more control. I, I don't think over how, you know, maybe one hitter in one, one situation, you know, if you're, you know, down three runs and he hits a grand slam in the last inning or whatever, but, you know, as far as just generally speaking, like there's no one player that has, um, more individual control over how that game's going to go than the pitcher, you know, and that's, that's that, that's what I loved about it is, you know, just being, and, and again, we're talking about parallels, like how interesting that is. Um, for, for baseball. And I've really never thought about this, but like you're, you're standing up on that mound and the other team just keeps throwing something at you, you know, an, another hitter and another situation and another hitter and another situation or whatever. And it's just, it's like every time the whole other rest of the world, the rest, even the rest of the team, you know, even though you understand how valuable the team is behind you, um, they kind of just fade away the second that batter steps in the box and it's just you and him and it's almost like um you know parallel to like stalking a mule there that we've been talking about where it's like hey you know even though like when i'm stalking a mule there sometimes i've got my buddy spotting across the canyon for me or you know maybe my buddy found him or whatever and he's helping me guide me in or whatever but at the end of the you know when it when push comes to shove it's just me and that mule there um and i'm trying to beat him just like i would on a mound trying to beat a hitter um yeah, that's a super fascinating, man. Um, that's 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 good stuff. Talk talk about. Um, you, you mentioned that your your uh, wife, you're gonna take her on her first hunt. Um, we were texting back and forth. You mentioned that. Um, j- just t- talk briefly about that and kind of um, what what kind of her background is. I'm curious what her background is with hunting. Is she just getting into it? And then uh, you know how excited you are to take her on her first hunt this year. Yeah, the uh, the answer to that question is there is a background <laughs> when it comes to hunting. Um, is or is not? Is not. She okay. does not have a background with hunting at all. 
um, she basically is uh, like if if I wasn't in, in the situation, she would have never even thought about it. Um, and but that's what makes it enjoyable for me is because I've been able to teach her about hunting uh, from the ground up, from a food side. You know, one of our first dates, one of the first times that. I prepared a meal for her. I was, I was, I was like, "Hey, look, I, I'm a hunter, and um, I like to, I like to cook game meat for people. And um, are you willing to try it?" And she was. She was. She's always been open about trying the meat, and um, she's always had an appreciation for it when I would prepare it for her. Um, that was super early on in our relationship, and uh, it's just grown from there. So I, I like to, I like the fact that I was able to teach her about it starting from the food aspect uh, and then just kind of grow her, her appreciation for it as time goes on. She actually was the one who um, sort of took it on herself and went and got her hunter safety. Because, uh, you know, if you look at it from her perspective, she has a husband who travels for a living. I mean, <laughs> I'm constantly skiing and... Um, my, my, my job that pays the bills day in and day out uh, requires me to travel constantly. So then I start to get into this boat, get really into this boat hunting thing. And she's like, wait a minute, like you ski all the time. And now you're going to pick up another thing that means that you have to travel to places and be gone from me. And I think that part of her motivation a little bit was like, well, if I can hunt too, then we can do it together. <laughs> you know? So she got her, she got, she went and got her hunter safety. We've been putting her in for rifle tags for the last couple of years. She finally drew a, 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 a rifle tag and it's actually in the same area that I've hunted my uh, archery deer tag. So um, I kind of know the spots, know the zones. I'm familiar with some of, some of the big old bucks out there. So um, we're going to just go out there and, and experience it firsthand. Um, she, I've taken her shooting a couple of times now. She's naturally super gifted when it comes to, uh, like, the shooting and the calmness side of things. Um, but at the same time, like, I want her to have a good experience out there. So if she gets out there and she decides she doesn't want to shoot anything, then I'm going to be totally okay with that. I've, I've been telling her over and over again, babe, we're going to go out there for a nice, and we're going to take your rifle for a nice hike. And if we don't come back with anything, that's a hundred percent okay because we're gonna have spent some time in the wilderness together. Um, but that's it's. So I'm just looking forward to it. It's gonna be really fun to share that aspect of my personality with her because um, she has an appreciation for this need that I have to be in the wilderness, but I don't think she really understands it. And yeah. and that's one thing that I can give her credit for is that she has always. Um, been supportive of my need to hunt she's like i don't know what it is or why it is but when you come back from the wilderness you're a new man mm -hmm. and i like the version of you that comes back from the wilderness a lot better than the guy who was i was hanging out with before you went so i'm going to continue to support you going out there and so being able to go out there together and do it i think she's going to she's going to realize she's going to gain this appreciation for for what it is that i love to do out there um we're also starting this new project uh as a family it's called wise off the grid or wise otg and the 10-year goal is to get our family completely off the grid so um starting it it, it kind of started with the hunting thing for me where i realized 
wow, if I have a good enough season of hunting, I don't have to buy any uh, red meat from the store. And that was like amazing, you know, and um, I'm just dabbling more and more into this uh, organic lifestyle where you're you're self-sufficient. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's not the price, right? I mean, correct no. me if I'm wrong, because like if you look at dollars and cents of like going and picking up, you know, all the red meat you're going to eat in the year compared to like your your tag and your gas yeah, yeah. and your all of your <laughs> gear, um, all those applications that you were talking about for five, like it, it doesn't, you know, financially it probably doesn't save you much. Um, no. but, but what, what is it though? I mean, to, to explain what it is about having that, that type of meat in your fridge. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good point because a lot of people, uh, sort of ignorantly will say, oh, wow. Yeah. You're saving so much money by providing food for your family. In that way. <laughs> no and way. The reality is no, I'm not. Huh? I'm just spending more money. To, I'm like, well, it's if like, you, if you pencil it, if you pencil it out. <laughs> pound for pound how much you're actually spending on that meat it definitely does not pencil out but it's just like it's just like the the meat that's in you know the the meat section at the store like you pay you pay a premium for that organic um grass-fed whatever they call it nowadays uh beef and this is like that on steroids like you're really paying a premium for the the best protein you can find out there (laughs) but if i have somebody over to my house and and uh, sit them down for dinner. Th- to me, like the the best thing that I can do for them is provide them something that not only did I hunt it and harvest it myself and carry it on my own back out of the wilderness, but a lot. But I also did the meat preparation. You know, I I do all the butchering myself if, if I can, um, and then I cooked it. You know, so I did. I participated in it. From from field to table, I participated in every piece of that uh, food that I'm providing for you's journey to the table. Uh, that's that's to me like the apex of uh, being a good host. So I love that aspect, and I and I love like I love the connection to the food. The reality is when you go to the meat section at the store, uh, you just pick something out, and you're like, well, that steak looks good. Uh, you have no connection to it, you yeah. know. And I'm not saying that I won't do that because. Um, you know, I'm a practical man. I still have, I, I travel a lot. I, I, will buy burgers when I'm out and that's, that's just kind of the way I have to live. But when I can have a connection to my food and know where it came from and how it was treated, um, I feel so much better about eating it. Uh, and, and in honest, in all honesty, um, I've done some, some scientific testing based around diet as well. And, I'm not joking. Like, I'm not just saying this because it happens to fit my bottom line, too. Um, I am never more powerful or strong or uh, my, my nervous system is never more explosive uh, than when I'm eating game meat. Um, <clears throat> that game protein, for, for whatever reason, because it's so much cleaner, so much more um, just better for you. Uh, I perform better. I've, I've tried. Uh, I've tried vegetarian, vegan, um, paleo, kind of all of the trendy diets, and done physical like strength testing and, and jump testing and um, 
reactive muscle testing on all those things and uh the game meat diet actually outperformed all of them by about 10 percent. makes so makes perfect cool for me. makes perfect sense i mean you think like you know two thousand four four thousand six thousand years ago or whatever um you know whatever timeline you believe as far as the history of the world like i mean they didn't have these um you know they didn't have to say that their beef was grass fed organic, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. they didn't have these fat Satan. cows, you know, sitting in these feedlots and you know, all this, it was, that's all it was back then was, you know, Oh, could you, could you hunt down an elk and kill it, you know, uh, to feed your family. And so I, I, and I'm sure you believe that naturally God's going to put, um, that as the most efficient and, um, uh, you know, kind of the highest, um, octane fuel available just because that's what the situation was you know so it makes perfect sense to me yep so here here i have this connection to my food and uh, my wife is gaining this appreciation for a connection to, to the food and um more and more i have this desire to do it all to do to have to participate in everything so not just the meat size so I'm fortunate. I feel fortunate to have been able to experience it on the meat side of things, but at the same time, a lot of our vegetables aren't grown in a very good way, and they're not they're not super healthy for us. We we think because we're eating vegetables that we're eating something healthy for us, but when they've been grown with all these nasty chemicals, they're actually not even that good for us. So I want to I kind of want to take that back. So so now I'm starting to garden and I'm starting to get into this um, organic growing lifestyle and. Um, at, on, on a kind of a side note, I've, I've experienced as a professional skier, um, I've experienced global warming from, from a personal standpoint. I've watched the winters get later and shorter. In, just in my career as a skier, I've seen this, the winters get later and later and shorter and shorter and more volatile. Just, you know, ups and downs. The mood swings of the weather have been insane. And I, so I've, on a personal level, realize, Hey, we got to do something about this. Like we got to take better care of our planet in a lot of ways. You know, we got to hold on. First of all, we got to hold on to our public lands and our ability to go out and hunt and fish and do things like that. But we also got to, uh, we got to transition to these renewable resources and stuff like that. So the wise off the grid idea is, um, as a 10 year goal, we want to be completely off the grid. We want to be growing our own vegetables, uh, harvesting our own meat, uh, potentially even doing things like ranching and having, you know, uh, goats and goats and goats and pigs and stuff like that, uh, as well as transitioning. Since I happen to live in Nevada, a state that's uh, mostly sunny, <laughs> I think 200, 275 days a year are sunny. So um, we're going to try to get the house completely off the power grid. Um, all of this stuff I, I kind of want to do in practical levels. I, I don't want to be a full-blown hippie where, um, you know, I don't have a cell phone and, you know, we, we don't watch TV or anything like that. Like I still want to be practical and and fit in in society, but, um, we have this goal as a family. So that's what the wise off the grid thing is, is, um, we're kind of going to be sharing that journey as we go. I'll be sharing, uh, all of my hunts, um, kind of filming them, filming them in, in pieces and sharing those through YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, as well as, you know, sharing my wife's first hunt of of her life. And um, as we start transitioning into growing our own food and everything like that, we're going to share each aspect of that journey. So that's kind of what the wise off the grid thing is. So you guys can be checking that out um, 
so we appreciate them. Yeah, um, that that's actually the page that I so when I was uh, I don't even know how I came across it, but I came across that page. I, I think because I just followed you um, from the Olympics and I saw that, you know, you were kind of into hunting at that point, but then I found that wise OTG uh, Instagram page and I was like, that's when I messaged you uh, the other day. Cause I'm just like, Oh, okay. Like this guy would totally love to, to come on and, uh, and talk about hunting uh, because it's, it's more than just, you know, it's not, I, I don't know. There's, I, I feel like maybe there's, um, you're, you're a celebrity. Let's face it. There's, um, there's celebrities that like will try things and it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I hunt, but they really don't, you know, um, right. or they're really like, they're not like purebred into it. And, and when I saw that page of yours, I was like, oh, okay. Like th- this guy's one of us. Like he, he just wants to get <laughs> after it. And like, and then I find out you grew up in Northern Nevada and I'm like, oh geez, like, yeah, he's, He's exactly like us. Like he just wants to get up in the hills and uh, and chase deer around. So, yeah, yeah, that that was really the trigger for me. So, I'm I'm looking forward to follow along with it. Um, couple notes. First of all, if you decide to get into goats, um, hit hit me up. I had a herd of like forty goats, and um, you oh wow. You don't know what you're getting into there, so <laughs> just kidding. No, they're. Are you trying to? Are you trying to caution? I I am absolutely. I'm trying to caution you. They are little stinkers, man. Those goats are. Uh, no, it's just. Anyway, if you have questions on goats, hit me up. And then um, right. another note that I had. Do you? Um, are you familiar with the Lampers? Uh, Ryan and Hillary Lampers. Um, they run a page. Their Instagram page is called St- Healthy, like S T uh-huh. Healthy Hunter. Um, anyway, it would just be a cool one for you to follow as far as like kind of off the grid. And like, so, uh, Ryan is, is one of the best. Um, I've had him on the podcast in fact, and he's just like straight up killer, man. Like that guy, he gets it done every year. And then, um, his, his family though, him and his, his wife and his family, they're, they're way into that, um, you know, they, they're run, raising their own garden and I don't know if they okay. live off, off the grid, you know, so to speak, but, um, just almost paralleled exactly what you're talking about. So I thought that would be a oh, cool, cool. yeah, I, I find that as I've been talking about this journey and, and explaining that to people, uh, I find more and more the people who are really into bow hunting, bow hunting specifically, not just hunting, uh, the people who want to bow hunt tend to be also the guys who want to grow their own vegetables and do all these other aspects of the off the grid thing yeah. that I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I, there's something about what it is that draws us to bow hunting that makes us also want to, uh, I was joking with it about with uh, Ryan Callahan for first light the other day. He's like something about like guys who want to bow hunt uh, also want to like, remodel their house themselves and learn how to do the woodworking like they want to split the beams of their house themselves and do the planing and also grow their own food like there's something about this like need to be self-sufficient you know like it's like a survival thing for me almost i'm like how many different ways can i prepare for the apocalypse so that when it comes i'm ready you know i don't know what it is but but i definitely noticed that that's a that's definitely a trend among like you said, guys like Ryan who just go out there and smack big old bucks every year, year in, year out, and like, but they also have this need to be self sufficient in, in all the other ways that they yeah. can. It's so uh, true. It's pretty cool. Well, and and you know, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with this. Like, I I feel like there's a whole huge 
community out there that also wants to be self-sufficient and also wants to know where their food comes from and also doesn't want to hurt the environment and all those things, but they're not hunters yet, you know? And it's like, I'm so excited for, for guys like you that like really have a platform, um, you know, because I feel like, you know, this, we, we always talk about this, like lack of hunters and hunter numbers are dwindling and all that kind of stuff. And like, I feel like that's a huge audience or a huge, um, you know, group that we can hit on that really is a hunter and just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, because they, they just like, they're, they have all the aspects, like you're saying, like they're probably remodeling their home and they're probably, you know, doing all the things and like, but they're just like, not, they just haven't seen it from the right perspective yet. And I really feel like that's where you're going with that wise OTG. So I I'm looking forward to that. Um, man, just appreciate you coming on. Um, I, 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 I want to give you credit, um, particularly for a few things. Um, you know, one, just being a, a family man, um, and, and being a, you know, someone that, that clearly, uh, you know, like your kids interrupted us cause you're taking them to school or whatever this morning. <laughs> I, I think that's great. Um, those are the exact type of guys that I want to have on here. And, um, also, uh, you know, for, uh, just, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but like representing the country and just, um, you know, being, being awesome. Um, I, I was, like I said, I just rewatched that, um, that last run and like talk about just like good old fashioned American red, white, and blue goosebumps. Like when you, when you, (laughs) when you nailed that run, man, we were just like, that was just awesome. So anyone that, that wasn't watching that at the time or whatever, you can still, like, I just pulled it up on YouTube. You can still go back and watch that. And it's just, uh super inspiring. So, um, give you credit for that. And then, and then lastly, I want to give you credit for, uh, you know, openly talking about your faith and, and God and being a Christian. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not that everyone, I don't feel like everyone has to believe in God, um, if, if they don't want, but, um, you know, I, I like giving guys like you credit, um, for just spreading the word that, you know, God, God's there and he, he loves every one of us. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, um, <clears throat> all of the, I, I kind of laugh when, when I hear people giving me credit for all those things, because uh, I just feel like I have to just like take the credit and hand it right back to the creator, because um, at the end of the day, I didn't make me, I didn't, I didn't give myself any of the opportunities that I had, I didn't give myself uh, the family that I grew up in, you know, parents who were willing to sacrifice all of their vacations and vacation time and extra dollars to my ski career. I can't take credit for any of those things. Those things are all gifts. So um, it's important for me to just remember like, Hey, like you didn't provide this for yourself. It's all, it's all, everything good in me comes from, comes from the, the creator of the universe, you know? And I, I like what you said too. Like it's, it's not for me, it's not about forcing my faith on anybody. I like, I, if anything, I encourage people to seek their own truth. Like, go out there and find out what you believe. I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I have a dialed or that I, that what I believe is perfect. I'm still in a state of learning on the faith side of things, at, in, at the, in the same way that I'm still in a state of learning constantly when it comes to bow hunting. But go out there and figure out what you believe. Seek truth, and you will find it. You know, and and uh, and it kind of comes down to that authenticity thing too. It's like 
I can't really take credit for, for being outspoken about my faith because I just, I don't feel like I am that outspoken about it. I just am who I am. Uh, so I appreciate you having me on. And, and obviously we've, we've gone, we've gone pretty long <laughs> here just chat about bow hunting and hunting in general. And, uh, I could do this all day. Yeah. You and me both, man. That's why I started a podcast. I realized a long time ago, like, like, can I really do this podcast thing? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm having these conversations once a week anyway. I just got to hit the record button. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's all, it's all good. But well, last, last question that I always wrap up with, uh, David, and then, and then you're free to go. But, um, why do you hunt the backcountry? Why do I hunt the backcountry? Well, I like being in the backcountry, you know, from a skiing perspective, uh, all the way into just a hiking, exploring uh, nature perspective. But it sure makes it a lot more fun when you can carry a bow around and potentially shoot an animal and bring it home to your family, you know? So that's why I have the backcountry is because, uh, my bow gives me an excuse to get a lot further up and further in than I normally would. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to the finding backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends, but the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform for notes and links to this and other episodes. Please visit findingbackcountry.com